Hey everybody, George Robson here, Worship Arts Pastor at Ocean Grove Online Church. Welcome to another one of our podcasts. I want to encourage you to stay with us for this week's scripture reading and message. So a few things. One, I'm Megan Faulkner. I'm the pastoral director of student ministries here at the Ocean Grove Church. Pastor Rich Hendrickson, he's our senior pastor, just texted me that he's watching online, so I'd like to say hello to him. <laughs> My boss who's watching us. <laughs> He'll be back with us next week. He's just taking a week of rest. Additionally, I have two disclaimers for you this morning. One, I called my pastor friend to check me exegetically, so like, am I interpreting this scripture correctly, um, this week. And as I was talking to them, they said, uh, Megan, do you know that this is the exact thing that the pastor in the great auditorium spoke on this past weekend? And I promise you I did not know. So I feel like we have to pay attention, because God is trying to tell us something. And there's multiple people that God is calling to speak the same message, okay? Secondly, at some point in this message, you may be saying, what is she trying to say? All I'm saying is all I'm saying, okay? <laughs> so that's the disclaimer. I'm pretty straightforward. ESTJ on the Myers-Briggs, Enneagram 3, like I'm just going to tell you how it is. And so that's this. So there's no guessing. Like, they're like, is she saying all I'm saying? is all I'm saying, okay? <laughs> Great, glad you're here with me this morning. Have you um, ever felt cut off, or dried up, or hopeless? I have, my hand is up in the air. So the book of Ezekiel is where we're gonna camp this morning. It's in your bulletin, if you wanna check it out. Um, it was written by a prophet bearing the same yeah. name, which means God will strengthen. And we're going to check out this awesome, true story from the Bible with him at the charge today. But before we do, there's one thing that I want to tell you that's important for us to know as we dive in. He was a Hebrew from the tribe of Levi, and he was among the elite of Judah who were captured by King Nebuchadnezzar and carried away into Babylonian captivity. Got it? Historical context is important here. So let's check it out. Check it out in your bulletins or open your Bible to Ezekiel 37. 14 verses this morning. The hand of the Lord was on me. So remember, this is Ezekiel talking, okay? The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can, which just means like humankind, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. We just sang it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put my breath in you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am and the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. 
I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but what does it say? There was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, these dead, so that they may live. So I prophesied, and as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone, and we are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign word says. My people, I'm going to open your graves, and I'm going to bring you up from them. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and I bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will what? Live. Live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. All right, so here we go. Check this out. God tells Ezekiel in chapter 37, come here. I want you to go down to this valley, and I want you to look at these dry bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me, verse 1 says, and brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley of the bones. He led me back and forth among them, so he's just checking them out. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. And they weren't just dry, he says. Look at verse 2. They were what? Very dry. dry. Thank you for your participation this morning. Now, we are here together, and I'm going to ask you to talk back all morning, so get your voices ready. Now, the question that we have to answer right this very minute is, what are dry bones? Okay? Verse 11 tells us, look at it. He said to me, son of man, these bones are the? Thank you for participating. The people of Israel, behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone, and we are completely cut off. He says, dry bones is the entire nation of Israel and a hopeless situation. That's dry bones. They were very dry, he tells us, because they had been in that place a really long time. A hopeless nation, cut off, having been hopeless a long time. So what we can deduce is that dry bones is being in a situation where we do not see a way out. It's being in a scenario of major collapse, and we want to know how in the world is this thing going to get fixed? Has anyone ever been there? Just me? Okay, great. Glad you're there too. Dry bones is where your situation, and in the case of Israel, their national situation was in major collapse and calamity. It's where stagnation had occurred, dash dreams and hopes, barrenness, desolation, and there was seemingly no hope for them. It's when we're in this really low place called the valley. That is a low place. And this low place, this dry place, this place of bones where we have to look up to see the bottom. When there are no ready, apparent answers to our dilemma and where we live life in crisis mode. That is the valley of dry bones. So picture the scene for a minute. Close your eyes if you have to. Ezekiel was carried off, taken by the Spirit of the Lord to an obscure valley. The promised land is home to the lowest spot on earth. It's located down below the Jordan Valley near the Dead Sea. And this valley, I learned this week, is 
1,300 feet below sea level. You literally cannot get much lower than this. So here is Ezekiel being shown by God a place of very dry bones, which is 1,300 feet below sea level, where you have to look up to see the bottom. And he makes a statement at the end of verse 11. What does it say? And we were completely... Thank you, thank you. We were completely what? Thank you. In other words, they have completely been cut off from their community with God. Why? Because of their rebellion against God. Right before this, in chapter 36, I was reading a couple weeks ago, verse 25, God says, And I will sprinkle you with clean water, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness and all of your idols. Remember, now listen, I'm just a messenger this morning, so don't get mad at me or write my boss an email. But there is a correlation in the Bible between rebellion, evil, and sin, and idolatry. He says your evil, your filthiness, connected to your idolatry, that you have chosen to either replace me with other gods or bring other gods alongside of me, therefore diminishing me. He says you need to be, verse 29 of the previous chapter, delivered from your uncleanness. So what happened was that the bottom was sin, and sin worked itself out in society because now they're captive in this place. How bad was this situation? This is crazy. So what on earth does the nation of Israel, being in Babylonian captivity in the Valley of Dry Bones, have to do with us today? Thank you for asking. <laughs> Think about this. What little g-gods are we inviting into our lives? Who are we trusting that is not the big G God, the one, the only, the name above all other names? What idol worshiping are we participating in that is affecting our relationship with the one true God? What are we listening to? Who are we running to? What are we running to? What are we consuming? What are we talking about? More than we're talking about Jesus. Who are we talking about? More than we're talking about Jesus. What takes up most of our time? What do our bank accounts look like? Where are we spending our money? What little G-gods are we choosing to replace the one true God with or, or bring alongside of him as if he needs any help? He does not need any help. Verse 3, check it out. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. He said, this thing was so bad. This, this situation was so graphically grotesque that God asked me, son of man, humankind, prophet, can these bones live again? And the prophet said, I don't know. You, you know, because I don't see a human answer to this. I can't answer that. Can these bones live again? Because there is no solution that the prophet sees through human eyes that he can come up with to fix this thing. Have you ever been in a situation without an answer? That is called the Valley of Dry Bones. It's a situation with seemingly no solution, and we are cut off. These bones, you know what's bad? When you're in a valley of dry bones and it says it's the whole nation, <laughs> it's not only that everybody in the valley is messed up, but nobody in the valley can help anybody else in the valley because everybody's as messed up as the person next to them. It says the whole valley was full of dry bones. It's hard to give hope if you don't have any. It's hard to get help 
if you're helpless, and that is the problem. Nobody can help anybody else because it says the entire nation was dried up. Interesting, this nation, do not miss this, friends. This nation, Israel, that was dried up, that was hopeless, that was in this messed up situation because of spiritual rebellion, they still had religion. They still had religion. They didn't give up their religion, but their religion was not working. Israel still had the form of religion, but this relationship was gone, and they were cut off. The intimacy was gone. They were separated. And so there was national collapse because of spiritual distance. He says, son of man, look at this situation in Israel and tell me what you see. Dry bones, how bad is it? God, only you can fix this. If it's ever going to get fixed. Why does he call the prophet? Why does God bring Ezekiel into this in the first place? He calls the prophet so that the spiritual could be understood as the basis of all of the other stuff that they were going through. He's in a valley of dry bones. They're disconnected. They have a hopeless situation that seems to have no answer. Only God knows how they got into this mess, and only he knows how they're going to get out. Follow this now. Verse 4. Look at it. He said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I want you to say, dry bones, the word of the Lord. Now, prophet, you can talk because the bones are so dry, so you ought to speak the word of the Lord. He says, prophesy, speak to them the word of God. So they need a divine word, not just stimulation. They need a very big divine word to their really dry situation. But it's still hopeful. What God asks Ezekiel to say is hopeful because he says, I will cause breath to enter them, that you may come to life. I will put tendons and muscles on you and make flesh grow back over you, cover your skin, and put your breath in you, put my breath in you, so that you may become alive again and you will know that I am the Lord. Sometimes God lets things die so that we can know that he alone is God. Him, him alone. Verse 7, check it out. So I prophesied as I was commanded. I spoke when I was told to speak. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. So I prophesied and I heard a noise. There was a rattle. Click, 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 click. It says it was very loud, but I'll spare you that. And they came together, bone to bone. Stuff started to come together. He said, when the word of God was spoken and responded to, connectivity occurred. When the word of the Lord was given to people who were now ready to receive it because they had gotten very dry and they couldn't fix it themselves, he said, stuff started to shape and they became connected. So guess what you have now? Due to the proclamation and response, because they responded, the bones were moving. And the response to the Lord, do you know what we have? We had order and organization to things that were once disconnected and they're now connected. So we have order and we have organization because things are hooked together correctly. Order and organization. So what we don't have is chaos because the bones that were disconnected are now connecting in the right place, in the right spots with one another. We have order and organization, but we still have a problem. Look at verse 8. What's our problem? There is no breath in them. So watch this now. You can have order, and you can have organization, but you can still have no life. He says, prophesy to the bones, and then prophesy to the breath, 
Speak the word of the Lord to this hopeless situation, the people, and then talk to the wind. In fact, notice what he says in verse 14. Skip ahead. I will put my spirit within you, and you will live. We'll compare that with verse 9. He says, prophesy to him and say, come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, these dead, so that they may live. So the breath is the same as the spirit. Remember when the Bible says at Pentecost, the spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind? So when the Bible speaks of wind, spiritually, it's talking about the movement of the Spirit of God. Because the scripture says it is the Spirit that gives life. Okay? Watch this now. It's the Word of God that gives order. This is what God says you are to do. This is the position you are to be in. Order yourself by the steps of this word. So you make this decision. I'm going to arrange my life. I'm going to arrange my affairs. I'm going to arrange my relationships. I'm going to arrange my finances. I'm going to arrange myself according to the order of the word. So that gives you order and organization. But you know you can make that decision and still be frustrated while still doing it, right? You can make that decision and be irritated that you even have to do it. You can make a decision to do it and not like doing it. That's because you've made the order decision without having the life to go with it. We have to have life to go with it. The spirit gives life. Now, listen to me. We need order, and we need organization. But what good is a body with the bones all connected if it is still in a coffin? And if, if, if it's going to go anywhere, we have to have bones that are connected, right? But having bones that are connected does not mean that we are alive. But that was important because he says, proclaim the word of the Lord, right? Look at your scripture, because the word of the Lord speaks order into a situation. So you prophesy the word and get all the bones to agree. We're going to connect based on that word. Now, that gets you organized. But it does not change our problem. It just prepares us for our problem to be changed because without the right things, hooked to the right things, hooked to the right things, you see what I'm going? See, one of the problems that we have here in this scripture, here, is that everybody's out of order, okay? We have men out of order, we have women out of order, we have leaders out of order, we have members out of order. We've got everybody out of order. We wonder, why am I still in this valley? We're out of order. The word of God is to put us in order, to connect this bone to that bone, with that bone, and to the bones in the right place, which positions us for life, but it does not give us life. Do you understand the distinction? This is important. The divinely inspired word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, breathes life into our bones. They work hand in hand, order organization, life. You have, well, this is what my friend said to you this week, we have organized graveyards, but everybody there is still dead because there is no breath, so there is no spirit. See, we either don't have the bones connected because there's no response to the word, or we haven't called the spirit in who gives life to the bones once they are connected. We must have spirit and truth. They walk hand in hand. The scripture says, and a lot of people have truth, but we're dead with doctrine. And we know Bible facts, but we don't have any life. And other people talk about Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, but the bones are still disconnected. So we can talk about the Holy Ghost all day, but it's not connected to the word of the Lord. So the bones are still not 
function, okay? They're afraid bones. They're hurting, but they're just bones because they have no life. But he says, if you get the bones right, if you get the bones right, based on the word, then you can call on the spirit to blow through and make you alive and hopeful and fruitful and productive. So look at verse 10, we're finishing up. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came into them. And they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. I mean, that verse 10 says they stood on their feet, and it was an army. Somebody get excited. Verse 1, there's no feet to stand on. Their bones are dry in the valley. How do they go from dry bones to an army standing on their feet? Something supernatural has happened between verse 2 and verse 9. How long have the bones been dry? You know the answer. A very long time. You need to tell me, between verse 2 and verse 9, God can solve stuff that has been there for years? Interesting, right? Between verse 2 and verse 9, simply calling through the prophetic word and on the power of the Holy Spirit, God can solve things that have been there for decades? So think about it. What is that for you? What has been dead in your life? Hopeless, maybe even for decades. What have you put a little G God idol worship around that you haven't poured the word of God over and the spirit, the breath of the spirit over and asked him to revive? God wants to raise us up, not so we can just be saved and go to heaven and have a nice little life here on earth. He wants to raise us up so we can join the army of the Lord so that our dry bones can connect with other dry bones and we can become an army to make a difference in the world, invading the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light. You have been called into an army. God wants to transform you. He wants to change you. He wants to take you out of this valley and he wants to give us his spirit so that we can become alive. This is what God is after. Like me, you're probably pretty good at describing the dry bones in your life, the complexities, the problems, the challenges. Yet in this scripture, the sovereign Lord places Ezekiel in the valley of the dry bones. Do not miss this. Tuck this in your pocket and take it home. I don't want you to describe what you see. I want you to declare what I have said until what you see looks like what I have said. We have to stop describing our problems and start declaring his promises over our problems. Prophesy to the dry bones in our life until the promises of God come to life. Multiple times in these 14 verses, God promises to do something about the dry bones, even to the point of repeating God's self. Look at it. I will cause my breath to enter you, promise. I will touch tens on you, promise. I will cause flesh to come upon you, promise. I will cover you with skin, promise. I will put breath in you. I am going to open up your graves. I am going to bring you up from your graves. I will put you back in your land. I will put my spirit within you, and I will place you on your own soil. So many times God promises life and wholeness. So many times. God promises return and homecoming. So many times, 
God promises that the dry bones of this valley are not our final reality. Throughout these promises, the beginning, the middle, and the end, God says what? And you will live. You will live is the river of reassurance that flows through the valley of dry bones. God says it. And you will live. So what dry bones do you need God to breathe his spirit upon? Some of us do a pretty good job at trying to cover up our dry bones. Maybe our marriages are dry and barren. Maybe there's been a loss of vitality in our family or work relationships. Some of us have bank accounts that are like dry bones. Others have health problems. Some of us are loving people plagued with a disease of addiction, and maybe we're just looking at their dry bones, walking around, searching for life. Maybe we've lost sight of our dream, our vision, a calling that God has placed on our lives. When's the last time you dreamed? Maybe we've lost our zeal for life, and we're just a bag of bones walking around lifeless. We might see it in friends or loved ones that we desperately wish would embrace the gospel, but they just won't. We might see it in ourselves in a moment of honesty when we just come face to face with our unbelief. Whatever the cause, the message here this morning is that God can send new life into our dry bone situation. God can breathe vitality through his spirit and use his word in our lives. If you are in the valley of dry bones this morning, listen to me. Ask God to speak his word and breathe his life into your situation and wait for the sound of the rattling. Hear me clearly this morning, church. You are not your dry bones. Your identity does not come from your dry bones. You are not the sum of your worst mistakes. You are not your worst day or your worst rebellion. Your name is not the name or the label that others choose to place on you. Your name is not broken. Your name is not your illness. Your name is not hurt. Your name is not addict. Your name is not childless. Your name is not homeless. Your name is not anxiety. Your name is not depression. Your name is not fatherless. Your name is not lonely. Your name is certainly not victim. You are not your dry bones. We have to stop taking on identities that are not meant for us and call the dry bones in our life to live. You are far more than your very worst day your very worst season, and there is more to you than the worst chaos you may have think you have ever caused. You are more than the sorriest and saddest decisions that you have ever made. You are more than the darkest season that you have ever endured in the lowest possible valley. There is more for you, for us. Whatever war you're in, whatever valley you are in, has already been won and conquered by a God who loves you more than anything else in the whole entire world. And whatever pain you're in has already been experienced by a God who 
who knows and sees it all and loves you endlessly. Whatever emptiness you feel can be filled by a God who can do that for you. Whatever darkness you're in can be trampled out by calling on the name of Jesus who makes the darkness tremble. Whatever fear you're in, whatever fear you're experiencing can be put to rest by a God who cancels out all fear. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Remember, God, I don't want you to describe what you see. I want you to declare what I said until what you see looks like what I have said. Can these bones live? Of course they can. Let's pray. God, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would revive the dry bones in our lives, God. Lord, I pray that we would be people who are seeking your word, God, that we would be people who are seeking your breath, Lord. And God, I pray that where there is lifeless bodies, bags of bones in this room this morning, that you, God, would revive us by your spirit and your spirit alone. And God, I pray that we would be people who wouldn't be caught up in any of the other craziness in the world, God, but we would be people who are only seeking you and sharing you and pursuing you, God. So Lord, we say to the dry bones in our life this morning, live. God, and we ask that your spirit would enter. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, We really appreciate you staying with us this time around. Remember, you can always search out other podcasts from OGC by looking up Ocean Grove Church or type in oceangrovechurch.com slash podcast question mark format equals RSS in your player of choice. And if you'd like other ways to stay up to date on all things Ocean Grove Church, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Ocean Grove Church, on Twitter as OG Church, and don't forget our website, OceanGroveChurch.com. And you can contact us via email at OceanGroveChurch at gmail.com. Until next time, we bid you peace.